0: Hello and welcome to our Migration 2 podcast, a joint podcast series by the Friedrich Ebert Foundation Office in Cyprus. My name is Hubert Faustmann. I'm the director of the office here and Project Phoenix, our partner in crime. Uh, we have today with us the founder and head of Project Phoenix, Michael gurken I'll say, talk about him in a second, but also our other guests. Let me say a few words about our podcast series. First, this is the ninth episode of our joint podcast series. It's dealing with Project Phoenix Fellowship Program and Migrant Entrepreneurship um, Project. This podcast is a collaboration between the EBAT Foundation and Project Phoenix, which is a European NGO based in Cyprus that works towards systemic change and migrant inclusion. In this show, we will explore issues related to migration through multiple lenses by amplifying migrant voices and shedding light on migrant issues. We hope to promote inclusion, highlight the diversity of migrant experience and humanize migrants by including and centralizing their voices in uh, the discourse. As I said, in this uh, episode today, I talk with one of Project Phoenix fellows and entrepreneurs. That's um, Sylvia. Sylvia, a few words about her, is a Cameroonian migrant entrepreneur who runs an African food and cosmetics shop in the heart of Nicosia. With the support of Project Phoenix, she opened her first shop in the old time this summer. She's currently working on a marketing plan with Philip, who's a Project Phoenix fellowship lead to expand her business. We're recording this podcast in the morning, and Sylvia, being the entrepreneur she is, is not with us. So, we will record a second part of the podcast later, uh, and that is done by the co founder and head of Project Phoenix, Bishop Sandilia, who will interview her later. So, you get one podcast recorded in two takes. So, a warm welcome to Sylvia, but you won't hear a warm welcome back simply because she's not with us. Who is with us is Michael Gerken, who, as I said, is the founder and head of Project Phoenix Global Operations. Uh, Michael has 15 years of experience working in the human rights sector as a project manager for various NGOs. Michael, very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Hubert. (laughs) Glad to be here. Let's go straight into the question section. Can you tell us a bit more about the fellowship program that Project Phoenix runs and what you've accomplished so far? Yes. So
1: the fellowship program is really the core of, of Project Phoenix and, and why we started the project. Um, the idea is that, uh, we believe that, uh, among the migrants coming to Europe, there's a lot of talent and a lot of passion to, to start a new life and, and start a new, a new own project. And, um, so we realized that in order to, to support these projects, we just need to help them overcome, uh, some of the barriers they're facing, um, when coming to their new uh, host country. So we we basically identify uh, talented and motivated people, who we support them by leveraging our own personal networks, building valuable local partnerships, and engaging mentors to accompany them. And this is really the the crux of of, of the pro of the program is that we work with them one on one. We really look at talk to them and, and and try to understand this: what is it they want to do? What is it they're good at? And how can we support them in in realizing those those goals? It allows us to work with a a, a huge variety, a diverse diverse group of migrants, because we don't have a program where we say, you know, now we have a classroom experience where we teach people one or another thing. Uh, We really look at what they're looking for, what they're looking to do, and we adapt to them as much as they adapt to us. So we we worked with um, web developer web developers, fashion designers, um, graduates, agricultural experts, a whole bunch uh, of of, of a diverse group of people. So so, um, yeah, and 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 we we're using a a personal one on one approach, and um, we look in our network in Cyprus and beyond to find. Uh, experts or or uh, partners that could support these fellows as well, going on, going forward.
0: How many fellows do you have, and what are they working on? Um, we we work with a, a,
1: a quite a small group of people. Uh, we don't work with uh, several hundreds of people. We actually have. Three four fellows right now, but we're we're looking to expand this group uh, in the near future. The reason why this group is relatively small compared to perhaps um, other similar projects is is that we use that one on one approach and not the sort of the classroom incubator approach. And we really want to work with them on a daily basis as much as we can. And they come they can come to us for any questions or any things they have. Uh, So as you said, we're working with Sylvia right now, who's uh, who's one of our most promising uh, fellows. She has all this. You know, motivation and passion to go forward and build up her business. Uh, we're working with Ibrahim, who who is um, a fellow from the Gambia. We're working with uh, Nadia, who is is one of our most recent fellows, and we have Justine, who's from Cameroon, who's a uh, uh, fashion designer and and tailor, and she's making beautiful clothes and. Leticia, who's also from Cameroon, who set up a, a fantastic business called AfroG, who maybe some of you have already heard of. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're constantly expanding and we're actually uh, starting a, uh, a new uh, program soon, which we'll talk about a bit later as well, I guess, uh, which is basically our, our, our um, stop, which is an, uh, a new program we're working on, which is an onboarding process to identify potential fellows to, to join the project. And um, so, this is something that's coming up
0: very soon. Sounds fascinating and very innovative to me. Talking about innovation, what kind of innovations are currently happening in the field? In when, who works on increasing migrant inclusion and help migrant entrepreneurs? Can you can you tell us a bit about what's going on there? And ideally, what changes or recommendations need to be made to existing programs?
1: Innovation is always a word which is is it makes people think that it's something completely new but innovating sometimes is also taking a step back and looking at what's really needed and um, I think that some of the programs out there are are sometimes thinking about innovation about always having to add things and um, in, in in one way in some ways we're, we're taking it actually a step back and saying like what is that what is really needed what what do our fellows really need and 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 that is actually looking at, Building networks locally and also creating those relationship with with locals, and um, so we we've created um, this constellation, uh, uh, a social innovation space in in, in Nicosia in, in Cyprus. The aim of of creating a physical space where people can come together and and work together and partner with each other. So innovation is much more about um, not in a technical sense or not in a very sophisticated sense. It's really about getting people to talk to each other, to, to improving our mentorship program and really looking at what people need rather than just innovation for the sake of innovation. So my recommendation is really looking at what the people that you're working with, that your target group is, is really looking for and what they really need to, to receive from you rather than just trying to create projects that, that focus on innovation merely to innovate.
0: It, it makes a lot of sense to me, and hopefully, it makes even more sense to those entrepreneurs whose, whose the entire endeavor is to get them started in a professional life, which will help in so many ways.
1: Yeah, for example, innovation is also often looked at as something which is about technical entrepreneurship, about creating apps or or new um, cool. Products, but in a lot of the set, in a lot of times, these uh, entrepreneurs that we're working with, they're looking to set up a small business. They're looking to set up a store, as as, as for example, uh, Sylvia will tell you about, and they're really looking at at uh, the basic business skills and um, that that they need to to really start their business.
0: Excellent. What's what's your vision for this program? How do you how, what do you envisage envisage the program should develop in in the future? My my vision
1: for the project, for the fellowship program, is that we can create a program that allows people coming to Cyprus and to Europe to realize their their potential and to realize the projects that they're working on and also become examples and positive influence on the migrant community themselves um, so that they can inspire other refugees and migrants to also... Look to build up their own businesses or their own projects, and really um, show that this is possible for them to do.
0: How do you work with your partners precisely to execute your vision? How can we imagine this in more detail? We work
1: with our partners in in quite a different quite a few different ways actually. we uh, for the fellowship program, we look for individuals, organizations, and networks that uh, can support our fellow in in growing their business, to learn more about how to work on their on their on their business, and to also show their experiences to other networks, so that we can not just isolate them and, and work with them in our little sort of uh, project, but actually show other organizations and other networks that that what uh, our fellows are doing. And um, I think with Letizia this has been a prime example of that. How she managed to now gain. Well, she's basically famous in Cyprus, and she's working with a lot of other organizations and partners to uh, to even train other migrants on how to set up a business in Cyprus. And this is exactly what we would like to achieve in the future as well. We don't want to sort of m- monopolize this uh, this this field. We actually would like them to to be able to work with others as well.
0: Sounds fantastic. It sounds like a real win-win project. Both for the migrants and the host societies. I think this is so 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 great in so many ways because it breaks with this discourse or the the expenses of the public uh, by by making them successful business people and contributing to the society and maybe helping to turn a discourse around in a much more constructive and positive way. Thank you so much uh, Michael street Michael Gerkins project Phoenix. love talking to you, love talking about the project and I look forward to hear what Sylvia has to say which is recorded later. So I pass now the back to Risha, who will guide you uh, through the second part of our podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening from my side. Risha, the floor is yours. Sylvia, hello from me. Uh, so you hear that much later. The floor is yours.
2: Thanks, Michael. I, I'm now with our fellow, Sylvia Chumonu from Cameroon, who's a recognized refugee from Cameroon, uh, who's running a shop, an African goods shop, uh, on Apollono Street. Uh, in the heart of Nicosia's Nicosia Zoltan. So Sylvia has been working with Project Phoenix for the last uh, six months and we've helped her launch her shop uh, along with uh, providing training and capacity building support um, as she goes and takes the business forward. Um, thank you for joining the conversation with us, Sylvia, today. It's great having you here with us. Um, tell us, Sylvia, how long have you been in Cyprus um, and what have you done the last couple of years?
3: Oh my God, I've been in Cyprus for the past four to five years now so it has been a very tough journey I can as you can see Cyprus is not really really easy it's really really difficult to be in Cyprus but alongside the line we have been pushful in different different things meeting different people having different ideas trying to see how things go I come out with the talent as, with the idea of opening a African food and cosmetic shop where I'm now inside, in Nicosia I based... I base in um, Apollino Street 40, in the heart of Nicosia. So, so tell us,
2: tell us about before you became an entrepreneur. You were working for many years. Uh, you did. I remember meeting you in Cafe Nero. You were working around the city. <laughs> tell us about all the work you did before you became an entrepreneur.
3: Oh my God, I I came to Cyprus. You know, as a refugee, normally we start from zero to something. Today it wasn't a, an easy job. I was working to open this shop. I started with a cleaning job. I started cleaning job. I work in TGI Friday. I work in Alpha Mega Cleaning Agency, the best company. I work in um, Heaton, Elenico Cleaning Agency. I work in Coffee Nero. All the time my life has been working, working. And I don't only work like go to normal job eight hours in a day. Like maybe you have your shift, eight hour no. I do morning and night every day. My least hours of job should be 16 hours. So
2: you were working 16 hours a day. uh, 16,
3: 17 hours a day. To
2: save up money for the shop. To save
3: money for the shop. Yes, actually, I do this because, you know, it's really hard for some of us. Like, we are not, we don't have any access to loan money. We don't have any access to raise income, you know. We have to raise money maybe by our hearts. And money by hard labor, you know, I have to do two jobs to raise this money, and I do these two jobs for one and a half year. For one and a half year to raise this money, I work sixteen to seventeen hours every day in Cyprus. So wow. that's how we raise the money.
2: Um, Sylvia, so can you tell us a little bit more about your journey uh, as an entrepreneur? Uh, oh. Can you tell us about the, the the how easy or how difficult it was, and the problems you faced setting up your business? Oh my
3: God! Before I come out with this entrepreneurship, setting up this business, the journey was really really tough. See, there I see have some challenges like opening a company, starting by the setting up a company because you can't do anything illegal. It's not possible. You have to start with a VAT, going to a company, looking for a shop. I have a lot of challenges, Charlie uh, looking for a shop during the period of looking for a shop, you know, I call a lot of shops, call many people, especially the Cypriots, they keep telling me, when I make a call, this is Sylvia from Cameroon, they will say, oi, 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 they don't even want to listen, just like that, I even got a shop for the past six months now I'm here without any electricity, you can imagine how I've been suffering and trying to make it. Right up to this moment, you see where I use the bush lamb? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, just to meet up with the demand, just to see if, to overcome the challenges. Right up to this moment, we are giving God the glory because he has never failed. We still keep pushing with the support of Project next. In fact, it was so powerful. God sent company. They came into my life training me telling me if there was a time I have to close up the shop. They said, don't close it. They offered me their company to set up the business there. I said, no. They said, okay, I I wake up one morning. I want to carry everything and throw away. Philip, number one, he will come here, pack them in, see that you are not going anywhere. I said, this thing is traumatizing me. I mean, it it traumatized me even more than the immigration in Cyprus, even more than the government, when they would. Take you one office or another for any other documentary stuff. I never get trauma like the shop.
2: So the setting off the business was traumatizing, is what you.
3: you it was so much traumatizing, so much traumatizing, traumatizing on the fact that there are some varieties I need to get them. It was difficult until when Philip have to start giving me the China. Secondly, we come to the worst when there is no electricity. Customer keep coming. We need this, and I don't have electricity to provide them, but I have the means to bring in the stuff they want, but I don't know how to preserve them. So even go crazy when some of the stuff I already have thinking that we have electricity maybe within the weeks, they start getting bad. Mm. So most of the stuff get bad. I have to throw them. I lose my money. Everything went down and to the level... You know, I start to, I have to start buying within the community, mm. no more longer from Africa, just to sustain the, the shop for the moment. So a whole lot happened.
2: Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you're selling in the shop?
3: Oh, like everything I have in the shop, you can see they're from Africa. But some most, some of those stuff from Africa, you know, the Asian people also provide them. So it looks similar and we like it. Even some of the Separat foods, I try to make it also because they like, like, for example, when I asked my friends at job, we used to talk about, uh, they said, what can I prepare for them to eat? I said, I know nothing, but I can make African food like what I know is similar for what everybody is eating. The beans, the beans, you people call it in uh, the Separat, they call it um, fasolia." So in my job site, in my restaurant, they always like what they call fasulya, the white beans. So I start bringing them, and they also order it for me. And then also the Gary, this is Gary from Africa. So when I put them, 5 euro, they will say it's too expensive. The Asian shop have also Gary. They are selling it for 3 euro, 4 euro, uh, 3.50. We'll go there and get it. So I went to the Asian shop. I asked them to supply me. So also I have, when you come to my shop, you said... This thing is too expensive. I said, this is from Cameroon. It's 5 euro. He said, the Asians are selling it for 3 euro. I said, okay, I have it also. This is the Asians I have. It's 3 euro. Ah. I also have. They will say the beans, like the red beans
2: mm-hmm.
3: in Africa. Mm-hmm. I sell them 5 euro. Mm-hmm. They will say, this is so expensive. The Asians have beans. is 3 euro. I said, okay, I also have it. I have it for 3 euro. So I missed yeah. the stock. I have the Asian stock and the African shop stock. In order for the price.
2: So I see you have uh, a lot of stuff imported from Africa. Which parts of Africa do you bring your stuff in? Oh, Cameroon? My,
3: I bring stuff from Cameroon and Nigeria. Okay. And, and
2: now, a, Can you tell us about the type of customers you have? Where are they from?
3: Most of my customers are from Cameroon and, and Nigeria. The two countries. They are all buying from me. Nigerians are buying well. The Cameroons are buying well. And also the, this country... The cereal lawns, they are full in this shop, and the Congolese, in fact, the Congolese, they are really making me happy. But I have problem with the Congolese, I start losing them because they like more most of the frozen stuff, and I don't have electricity to put them. Okay.
2: Um, Sylvia, can you talk a little bit more about... With your work with Project Phoenix and how Project Phoenix and you have worked together.
3: Oh my God! Without I mean, <laughs> without without
2: necessarily praising Project Phoenix, we're just talking about it very practically.
3: Yeah, for the Project Phoenix, you know, when when we start with them, it was a little bit difficult because they come in with accounting stuff. <laughs> so I was not putting my heart on all these stories. I was like people are just bringing me a story to to write about you have to do a balance sheet you have to know how much income you have to know the VAT you have to draft it was a whole school I start new study you know <laughs> I never did accounting I know nothing about accounting until the master in um, Netherlands have to call me on phone send me a balance sheet or uh, program to start writing. I will I will go back to school, Google, start to draft balance sheet. How much I put, how much is a balance, you know, a whole lot. Carrie brought forward, I learned a lot. I learned I went back to school, you know. until I have to come with the answer forward back to him in Netherlands for him to confirm it is okay, He will say Sylvia, you fail it, you have to restart again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. It's an like extend during the period I, I call master. this moment is I need to make a when the government of Cyprus they posted on on their platform in Cyprus May, they said all oh, the shop need to have a VAT machine. I didn't have money. I said, master I have to close this shop if I don't have money for the VAT municipality. Master said, because I don't want you to stop the shop and I want to force you to continue and to push what you are doing because I know where it can lead you to. I will send you money for the cash machine and for the VAT. Behold, two days, Maestro said, okay, when you do the balance sheet correctly, you will see it. So I did the balance sheet and he said,
2: when he R- said... Bye, Maestro, you... you okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. He
3: said, and I did it. You was so perfect. You were so perfect. So that's what I learned from Project Fitness. Moreover, Philip was see behind me. Day and night, Philip will be here, coming to check. Now, Philip we ask, what else do you have, Sylvia? What do you want to say, Philip, now, you know? The balance I have from the project. We buy palm oil, just palm oil, to start selling just palm oil. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Philip said Sylvia so you say just palm. where I say yes because if this palm, oh I see people are picking it so Philip we come around to see if you can have three or four people in a day to pick one stop it's good it's, it's a good start and when he came more than three four five they keep coming inside he said wow Sylvia try it try it try it until now the place is now very very perfect mm. it's firm. It's really going well. Hopefully, we need the electricity because this is the highest challenges I have right now. The highest challenges is the electricity.
2: Thanks, Sylvia. Any advice or tips for anyone else trying to become an entrepreneur in Cyprus, especially as a woman um, with a background from Africa?
3: Of course. The only advice I will—I won't lie to you—for my fellow colleague out there trying to start the same business or wishing to start. I don't know wherever you raise your money. I don't want to know because this business, I think it's a very good idea to set up a business like this. Also to contribute for the community because actually this is not our country. If we sit and we just watch at them, keep helping us, keep helping, or they will get tired. And when they get tired, I don't know how they can, the next step they can take over us and we have nothing to say. So my advice, if you have in mind to do anything that will be push food, that can give you something to eat, that can help you pay your rent, Just and then pay the tax in the country, do some little things. If the government come now, what have you been doing? I'm selling just one piece of granite. I have 10% discount. This is what I contributed for it. It's very good. They never do it illegal. Because illegal my advice for anyone in the community don't do anything in the public illegal illegal things should be should not be public yeah and no one has to even know you are doing something but for my advice as a refugee I don't even think or advise anyone to do something illegal because I know where it's going to land you.
2: Thank you so much survey, you've been such an inspiration to us at Project Phoenix we're grateful to have partnered with you on this uh, and we wish you all the best for the shop and uh, we. Do our best. Too.